Hi. 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 Hi, babes. Welcome to another episode of QBT, a podcast where two queer babes talk mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. This week, we are joined by licensed professional counselor, Nooper Shah, aka the Queer Indian Therapist on Instagram. He's helping us continue our series on race, racism, and mental health. Honestly, he's so badass. You're going to love him. We had a beautiful conversation. I'm, oh, it's so good. I am a yeehaw ass bitch, hate white claw, licensed social worker, and psychotherapist practicing in Austin, Texas, Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee, a reform barb and former <laughs> New York City based therapist turned media entertainment badass based for the time in Portland, Oregon. We might be therapists, but we are not yo therapists. Okay. Okay. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> we're back. Dun, da, da, da. Took yeah, a week no. off, but we're here. We took a week off because we can do that. It's our podcast. <laughs> um, but we're back. We're here with a brand new episode. And um, there's a lot going on in the world of entertainment. Yes. We're not talking about the real world because I don't have time for it right now. <laughs> um <laughs> We got a new Casey Musgraves album. You don't care about oh, that? Oh, I don't. But yeah, um, <laughs> um, I, I'm a fan. I feel like other people aren't, but that's okay. I'm 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 into Starcross. Um, we got the Gaga. We also the Dawn of Chromatica album. The oh yeah! Album. Oh my god! There's you know? so much that we have not talked to y'all about, listeners. But I have our sub slut question. Maddie. Oh no! Okay, what is it? Are you ready? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know where you're going with these. Yeah, exactly. I want to keep you on your toes. Um, are you a are you a Barb? Oh, <laughs> remember when we had um, your Charles on and we talked about be, is we asked him if being a Barb is a mental illness. <laughs> I literally forgot about that until just now. <laughs> um, okay, I really adore Nicki Minaj, and I also would not call myself a Barb because, mm. um. Well, this week is an example of this, why. Because yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of barbs, barbs that aren't barbs anymore. <laughs> or they got to go into hiding. I just feel like, you know, Kanye's been taken from us. I feel like um, there's lots of people that are like just coming out of the woodwork as batshit. And um, I mean, you and I, I feel like we're really... <laughs> One, Nikki was being wild with the Apple show when this podcast first started. So we talked about Nikki a lot at the beginning of this. <laughs> Queen and, Radio. Yes. And uh but it's it's really just like, um, oh my god, wait, did you see that blues clues thing where Steve came back and was yeah. like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that remind me of Lou. Anyway, um, I feel like we gave her a lot of shit because like she just for some reason, despite being the capital T H E best, chooses to interact with people on Twitter as if she is a no yeah. one, as if she is someone who need we need to hear what she thinks about anything. I did not need to hear her stupid ass story about her cousin's friend in Trinidad who has swollen testicles. And like, Crystal re- responded and like totally ratioed the fuck out of her. It was like, that man got an STD and found something to blame. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so ridiculous. I, I don't get her. It's just, it's, it was a, it was a, it was a week. For Nicki Minaj, I don't know. I it it started off okay. Like it started off kind of like I'm all right with this. This makes sense. She didn't want to get vaxxed for the Met Gala. She was like, I'm not getting vaxxed for this one thing. Which I'm like, logically, I get that. I get when you break it down on that like small scale. Yes, I'm not going to do this thing for this one thing. But she only said that reasonable thing because she said something wild right before that, and then had to like figure out a way Wait, to make that make sense. Wild before that. The reason she said, I'm not going to get vaxxed for the Met Gala is because she's tweeted out the swollen testicle thing. I thought this swollen testicle thing came after the Met Gala. It was all in the same, like, hour. Like, it was like, it just came from a fan being like, are you going to be at the Met Gala? And then she was like, here's my thesis on why. And that that was the problem. As soon as that question was asked, you know what she should have done? She should have pulled a Beyonce. Put her phone down. And not been on Twitter at all. Like, no. You shouldn't even no, be there. You shouldn't even be talking she has to no, people. She has no requirement to respond to quote tweet and respond. No, none. 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 This whole thing could have been avoided if that person had minded their business and if Nicki Minaj was like, that's my business. But she, for some reason, Cardi used to do this a lot too, sometimes still does, of like, 
feeling like she has to stick up for herself and defend herself from some stupid fucking person's comment on the internet. You know what I it's mean? Like the Met Gala. It you just not didn't like, have to say anything. There's it's not no like there one, was like I don't know. I don't know. It's not like Young Money was going on tour and she was the one person not there. Right. Then right. I'd be like, yo, where are you at? But like the Met Gala, I'm like, there were a million celebrities there. I'm sure there was somebody that wasn't there that I'm not even thinking about, but I'm not going to, I don't know. I'm not worried. You know why we're not thinking about them? Because they kept fucking quiet. Because I bet that there's a bunch exactly. of them who didn't show up that also are not back. Exactly. So that's why they weren't there. But we don't know that. And I don't need to know that because I don't need someone else to not trust anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'd like, I, uh, you know, there's an article here from the Washington Post about like Nicki Minaj's um, sort of responsibility or how she's affecting the black community's response to vaccines. Because like underneath mm-hmm. her thing, there's a lot of empowerment around like, oh, yeah, I'm not vaxxed either. So all these people are like coming out as like I know. conspiracy yeah. theorists of the vaccine. And I also want to be very clear. I I think that there is a problem in putting full ownership on people who aren't vaxxed as like the problem when a lot of the problem is the ways in which the government has not created a trustworthy stance and has also not disseminated information well or dispelled rumors well. Like the government has failed us in that way. And Nikki, <laughs> you say you're going to do your own research, like memes, like flat earth shit. Like, what are you talking about? Like the fucking medical health. Um, What's that guy's, what's the title called? The like health commissioner of Trinidad had to spend a day dispelling rumors saying like, actually, we do not have any cases of swollen testicles here in Trinidad. Um, there has been no recorded cases actually across the world. And this has been a waste of my day. And <laughs> like, even, <laughs> even Fauci weighed in and I was like, okay, y'all, like, it's just, just leave it alone. <laughs> no, that but, was disappointing. <laughs> but, and there definitely is some misogynoir attached to why her anti-vax statement is being Mm-hmm. latched onto mm-hmm. and at the same time the republicans did that fucking thing where they take someone that they disagree with but then they say one thing that they agree with and then suddenly go back on everything that they've ever said negative about someone like you know and like are like hey actually this rapper that people like is a uh, she's saying the right thing and that's where nikki also upset us because she then quote tweeted the segment of her on tucker carlson and was like I don't know, some emoji like 100 or like, that's right, or whatever. And people were like, ma'am, that's a white supremacist. <laughs> like, <laughs> ma'am, like, what are you don't doing? Don't do that. And also, she's just, why are you throwing like Drake under the bus? Like, why are you? <laughs> I mean, I'm throwing Drake under the bus because he likes to fuck children and groom I mean, children. I and had also... R. Kelly's sample on his new album. So I'm, you know, fuck Drake. I'm... Oh, I wouldn't know because I don't listen to Drake albums. Um, I, good for you, babe. But, yeah, <laughs> proud of I don't know. I mean, I don't mean to be like, we're not like trying to like come for everyone's fave, I guess, but like this was a big thing. And I just, I don't, the point is, you don't need to double down, right? If you're yeah. going to do something stupid one night about the Met Gala, fine, whatever, but like let it live there to then take this, uh, ma'am, he's a white supremacist, to then go on like, well, now all these Democrats, you can't look at a Republican or they're going to come for you. And like, she just went on this whole thing around like how you can't have like difference of opinion and whatever. And it's just like, (sighs) yeah. Why aren't Nicki Minaj and Candace Owens saying the same thing this week? Why is that happening? That's (laughs) what get me. I hate it here. Like get me out of this place. Speaking of albums that um, I don't listen to, I haven't listened to Montero yet. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I did send you a very specific request to do so, but you that's did. okay. That's okay. And, that's I, okay. and I ignored it. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I um, you know, the biggest barb in the world, Miss Miss Lil Nas X. I, I obviously, anyone who listens to this podcast will know that I wanted to like this album. I mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. went into it excited. I have been excited. I will say that like I'm genuinely surprised at how much I like it. Like I I assumed I was going to like it because I have a predisposition to do so. But literally every song that wasn't a single that was new to me, I was like, oh my God, I like this. And there's an there's an element of it being broken up of like troll song, meme song, troll song, real ass song, real ass song, real ass song. Like, And even the new video where it's just essentially like, I want a boy to love me. And that like, that is going to go number one. Like the biggest pop star in america right now is a black faggot like that's so cool 
That's so fucking cool. That is that is cool. That <clears throat> that I can take my hat off to. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet, though. And it's, if anybody listened to this podcast, you know that I hate Lil Nas X, according to Maddie. I, yeah, I was like, you just <laughs> you just aren't excited, and then I don't understand why because I, it makes me so excited, and I cry like I I cry at almost every video I watch because I'm just like, how is this happening? This is so cool. <laughs> I I do want to know how it's happening. I at some point in my life, I'm gonna do a real deep dive into like the success of uh, Lil Nas X and what what ha- like what things came together to make this happen because this isn't it's not like it's the it's not the first black gay queer person that's tried to go mainstream and it just hasn't like worked out or you know so i'm wondering like what was the perfect storm that happened for Lil Nas X and well, was it just old town road i mean it was but he also wasn't out when that happened i mean everyone was like um yeah. but you know like technically he wasn't out until after panini i think was when that happened when he like came out oh my but, god i forgot about that song <laughs> i know i think that's his worst song it's not my favorite i like anyway but I think because he followed up Old Town Road with that, I think there was the assumption like, oh, maybe this is going to be just kind of like a one hit one kind of thing. But the the new songs Lost in the Citadel on this album is so, so good. And the Nicki feature. I mean, no. Oh, my God. LOL. She I there is no Nicki feature, but he mentions Nicki Minaj twice. And that was like the one thing about this album. It's like, oh, he's got a He's standing Nicki so hard on like. Her worst week, <laughs> like, or, like that's yeah. funny to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Megan feature, the Doja feature, um, Elton John's on it. I actually am going to be honest, and I have no idea what he sings in that. Like, I've listened to it a bunch, and I can't tell where his part is. I think it's maybe just a harmony. And- he does like a hum, probably at the very end. Oh. oh. Um, Ali just popped in in case it wasn't recorded and said that uh, he is just playing the piano, which cool. That makes sense. It <laughs> makes a lot of sense. That deserves a feature. <laughs> that makes me feel better because I listened to it like four times and I was like, I cannot tell the difference between Little Less X and Elton John's <laughs> voice if there is one on this album. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just I'm so proud of that little kid. You know, he's just like, yeah, who else? What career can you compare it to? Truly? Like there's no other career comparison. Cisco. Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Cisco only had one number one. Lil Nas X has had four or five already. Those are all number ones. It's almost all of his songs have been number ones. Mm. Like number one, number one, number one, number one, number one. Oh, it's just and Industry Baby makes so much sense on the album. Like in the middle of it, it just provides this momentum, and he's like, just like. I told you long ago on the road, I'm the one they're waiting for. And I'm just like, I was waiting for you. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm so into it. It's such a good album. I like, honestly, some of the stuff that you have been going through this week and also what I know about you, I think there's going to be some of the emo songs that you're like, I'm pissed that I identify with this. I think you're going to be so mad that you like it. <laughs> I think I've realized that it's not Lil Nas X. It's the bracket. It's the age bracket. Oh, sure. I mean, Yes. I have you to know. forget it's for children. But also, yeah. I think there's some things that I think are fine as an adult to enjoy as long as you're not like trying to fuck the kids, you know? Oh, not, yeah. Not, don't do, don't be Drake. Don't um, be Drake. <laughs> or Nicki Minaj's husband. Or oh. Because honestly, I think that's why she had this wild week because she couldn't go to the VMAs, allegedly, because it was no, located to next to a Chuck E. Cheese and her husband can't go there. And then also, the I... Met Gala... But because he didn't register as a sex offender in California. And so they're both potentially in legal trouble. And I think this is all this big media storm just to like, hey, look over here. Look at my anti-vax bullshit craziness because my husband may go to jail and I might be implicated in that because he's a fucking sex offender. Well, he don't got to go to the VMAs. You know what? No, we're not doing this. Let's, let's. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about race and racism with Nooper and not talk about Nicki Minaj's anti-vax sentiments. Um, I wish everyone well, especially the barbs. I, I genuinely feel for you. Like, I, I, I genuinely I mean this with all my heart. I'm sending you positivity, like love, all of the things. I need her to release some music and then get your, yeah, y'all get y'all rest and <laughs> we'll see you. Um, this interview is so good. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, okay, let's go.
I almost like started counting down with the thing and then realized that it wasn't going to be recorded anyway. Okay. Hi, welcome to QBT. We are back with the work continuing our race, racism, and mental health series. I am so, so excited to be joined by licensed queer therapist, cat parent, fundamentally introverted, but seemingly extroverted, Nooper Shaw, aka the queer Indian therapist on Instagram. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. How's, um, how's Sunday treating you? Ooh, Sunday's been great. Got some brunch. Um, yeah, so the friend, I'm starting a D&D comp like, uh, soon, so for the first time. Okay, like yeah. a new campaign or like... Like a new campaign, that's what it's cool. called. Yeah, I'm doing it for the first time, so I don't have the lingo down at all. So like that's Dungeons okay. and Dragons, is that what we're yes. talking about? Yes, we sure are. All right. Yeah. I were, I feel like I know the word campaign and like I know that there's die. I feel like beyond that, you know, we're getting into territory. I have no idea. I was like, I mean, are you running ads? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're on the same wavelength. I okay. am at the same. I know that we have die. That's it. <laughs> well, I um, am excited for your new um, journey. Thank you. Um as we get started, and maybe if you know your D&D identity, you can share that with us too. But uh, as we get started, um, we like to bring everyone in, introduce yourself to our listeners and to us by asking, what identities do you hold that shape how you come into this world? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. I feel like so many identities inform how I navigate the world and shape me in the world. Um, I would say me being first generation Indian, is a really primary one. Also, that coincides with my gender identity. These two things were separate growing up for me, mm-hmm. um, but just recently have like reconciled them because I can be both. Mm-hmm. Um, as a fat person, as a bigger bodied human, and like someone who waitlists as well, that is like my body is healthy and strong and big, and that doesn't negate. The strength that I have at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm a spouse. I'm a camp parent. I am a guinea pig parent now. I just got a guinea oh. pig. Just one? And just one. Okay. Yes, just one. Uh, his name is Bug. He's also trans mask. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Just like the cutest thing has a mohawk. We're twins. So <laughs> <laughs> those, are some, those are some of the identities that like really inform who I am and how I navigate the world. I love that. Um, beautiful entry point. T- what's your cat's name? Oh, I have two. So, okay. yes, we've got two cats. Um, Louie, who is a tuxedo. Okay. He is beautiful. The best boy. <laughs> and then we have Mama, who is, who is all white. She is a, can we swear on this? Yes. Yeah. Great. She's Fuck a yeah. <laughs> She is like a bitch. She loves me and only me. She hates everybody else and every other animal. Um, so that's why I, I really just, love her too. I just thought that was cats in general, but True. okay. No. No, Louie loves everybody. Every single person loves them. Yeah, cats are actually fascinating. They have some personalities. They're kind of scary. <laughs> They definitely intrigue the shit out of me, and I'm a little bit allergic and didn't grow up around them, so I'm also like, I'm going to appreciate you from afar. And yeah. I don't think oh. they care, which is also good. I don't <laughs> I don't like animals or anything that's smarter than me, so mm-hmm. I don't know. If it's thinking, I don't want it. That's why I have this dumb, <laughs> that's, that's why I have that this dumb dog behind probably, me. <laughs> yeah. That is probably why a lot of people don't like cats, because you have to like build a trust with them and like a right. relationship, and the dog is just like, Hi, I love you unconditionally. You don't have to do shit for me. Yeah, and you can feel them trying to manipulate you sometimes. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Life is doing that to me. I don't need you. <laughs> you know. Listen, I already know I'm manipulated by her. I've accepted it. Yes. Period. It I love. is done. <laughs> um, well, thank you for your pet introductions. One yeah. thing that I'm curious about that you said, I think is just, you know, you were naming gender identity and identity as a first generation Indian felt separate to you. And they're starting to blend together. Talk to me about that separateness and blending. What what has that journey been like? Absolutely. So um, I am, I was born in the States, but my parents were born and raised in India. They're both from um, a region called Gujarat, uh, which is like, 
I'm not good with directions, so I'm just actually not going to try. But it's in India. That's all you have to know. And I um, was just basically raised like pretty conservative, relatively. Um, like I was a girl. I was the eldest daughter. Um, I have a younger brother. So I ha- there were a lot of these expectations created for me that even at a young age did not align with any gender identity exploration period. Like there was none. I had to wear dresses. Um, I never got to like engage in like the boy masculine traditions. Um, I had to do my hair a certain way. I had to speak a certain way, right? Like as an AFAB person, my voice was higher pitched just through conditioning yeah. in society. Yeah. Um, and so like, Baby Nooper, little Nooper, already felt shame around wanting to not wear dresses, um, wanting to do other things that were maybe like pushing against the grain. Um, and my parents were very rigid in what they wanted me to be. They wanted me to be doctor. They wanted to. They had their idea of success already written before I was even in this world. Um, so those expectations throughout my life were kind of put on me and, you know, I was labeled a tomboy, which I think is like a really common thing for a lot of AFAB folks and folks who are maybe trans mask identifying or like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was a tomboy, but I was still a girl, but that was like that normalized language. Um, but I always knew I was different, which like maybe is cliche, but I did. Um, and I remember being 14. I've come out three times for okay. three different things. I remember at 14, <clears throat> um, I came out as bisexual, of course, in an argument with my mom. I was like, well, you know what? I'm bisexual too, by the way. And she <laughs> lost it, which is obviously the reaction I'm looking for. Yeah. And I think that was like the stepping stone into how does my sexuality and gender reconcile with my Indian identity. Mm. And I felt so removed and actually ashamed mm. of my heritage and like where it came from um, because it never aligned. I always felt that like dead end, that push, that like you as you are not, you don't belong here. Um, even as a bigger bodied human, like all of my identities just did not sit with that traditional culture. Mm. Um, so I, (laughs) I guess like that would be a a pretty long story, but how I reconciled the two things, I first had to accept that I was trans. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had to, or have had to, and have been still doing, um, in the reconciliation, like exploring how I can rewrite some of these traditional expectations of me yeah and also like how does how can i rewrite the indian you know um identity and reframe it to fit me instead of me trying to fit it which is what we're always doing here right right Um, and then i started inviting that part of me back so Mm. there was a lot of and still is like trying to push through the resentment that I had towards my parents, towards my culture, towards where I came from. I was like, I'm white. Like I'm American. I'm all of these things, but I'm not, I'm absolutely not. Um, And once I was able to invite that back in while feeling grounded in like my transness and my non-binary-ness, things have been really beautiful. Hence the queer Indian therapist. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, have lots of places I want to go. And I also need to name that um, we're hearing like a rumbling sort like the, the I don't know what it is. Uh, Ali might have an idea. We're almost ready to come back again. Disclaimer, you're going to hear my breath. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, radical transparency. Yes. Radical transparency. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I'm loving... Uh, what you're offering here. Because what I'm hearing is that there's these identities that are given to us. And then we're like, that doesn't fit right. I have this lived experience that feels in direct opposition. But 
one of the first steps is that acknowledgement. It's sort of like coming out to us, like sitting with who we are and what we are and what's going on. Mm. And I also really love what you were saying towards the end of like inviting that other part back in versus you trying to like say, I'm here, this is me, this is me claiming this space. I'm actually inviting the identity of Indian into my queerness. I mm-hmm. am obsessed with that. I think that's so beautiful. Yes. I mean, for so long, right? Like trying to conform to a thing just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. And so shifting that narrative to like, oh, you know what? Let me have control over my own narrative in life and like invite this thing back in. Because I visualize us as like puzzle pieces. Mm. And we have, like we're a puzzle. We have so many pieces. And sometimes they just like don't align. Sometimes we have missing pieces, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like there's just so much, I guess, um, in relation to identity that can like be a part of that too. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, you you do. You live and experience sort of two dichotomous like worldviews. I feel like you know you you spoke a bit about being American, <clears throat> but also being Indian and mm-hmm. having you know being first generation Indian, having parents that live there. Um, I guess I want to know a little bit, and you can share just like how. I guess, gender norms, just general norms in general, general norms in general, that's repetitive, <laughs> redundant. Um, how norms in general differ um, across sort of the, the Indian experience, culture, heritage, and then that for uh, being American as well. Ooh. Because not many people get both of those. They usually just get one and run off with that. Like even for myself mm-hmm. being Black, I'm like, I'm Black, but I'm from this country. Like, right. Technically, so. Technically, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> oh no, that's oh my gosh, it's such a good question. I think also, the I don't. This might not even answer it at all. It might like shift us to a new space. But the first thing I think of is, I feel like a lot of immigrants, and I'll just speak from like my own experience. My parents um, really centered whiteness, even though they were Indian, right? So like they centered being American, how can we conform to this thing? So like conforming was always the move, Um, especially with my dad, like to this day, he's very conservative, very right-winged. And so I feel like I was always in this like tug of war with myself and myself. Um, And those two ends of the spectrum I guess I'm just thinking of like, what are the differences? There's so much. Mm. The expectation of me being a doctor and me not actually doing that and getting my master's and still being licensed was a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is like, I think, I think that encompasses a lot of layers in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a deep accomplishment. That's a lot of work, right? So <laughs> like too. to be pre- to be presented uh, with mm. something other than a menstrual in celebration with you. In the same of like, I'm trans. Where's the menstrual in celebration with me? I'm mm. X. Where's the menstrual mm-hmm. in celebration with me? Um, it's 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 that tension of not being joined in celebration that causes some of that. I mean, I was not ever taught. Or uh, celebration towards ourselves was never modeled. Mm. We lived to, at least this was what was instilled in me growing up. We lived to please others, make sure other people are okay, help mm. others. My mom's a doctor. Like that's always been kind of instilled in a way that has like been very detrimental to her, um, mm. has like informed a lot of her conf- um, complacency in what my dad, how my dad treated me and my brother growing up. Like yeah. we just, I learned how to be a people pleaser. Like mm-hmm. I really, mm-hmm. truly at my core learned how to be a people pleaser. And I think there are many Indian folks who are like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, Shani. Oh no, I was just going to say it's, I, and then I wonder what the parallels could be with needing to be a people pleaser or needing to conform for survival like within you know a foreign culture where 
racism is runs rampant. You know, I that I know a little bit about. So yeah, just a little, <laughs> just a little, just a smidge, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I want to make sure that that's like I just wanted to say that because a lot of this stuff isn't. Um, I don't know, isn't just cultural born out of nowhere and that's just how people are in America. No. It's all born out of survival. If you're not a white, cisgender, straight male, <clears throat> anything else is just out of survival. Like I have yeah. to be as close to that as I possibly can be so that I can make it in this country and so my family can as well. Exactly. At least that's what my experience has been. No, that is correct. You know, I I'm constantly in like this this is kind of how I navigate boundaries as an adult. I for so long was um, excusing my parents' way of raising me. And I was excusing the harm because I was like, they did the best they could. Yeah, They did the best they could with what they had. And for that, I am grateful. And, and at the same time, there was a lot of harm. There was a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. And like, it is okay to say, Yes, and it wasn't enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that and is the critical piece, right? I think, um, yeah, have not had your experience, but in my experience, I come from a, a super conservative Southern Baptist family, and mm. you know, uh, there's that sense of expectation as well. Um, the fact that I didn't become a preacher was a disappointment, you know what I mean? And, yep. um, I think that and has been something that I've been really sitting with this past year and some change. It's a lot of the work that I did and have been working on in therapy is like the full jump to fuck them. They were wrong and evil and they didn't know is like, there's a part of my young self that is like, yeah, that's right. You know, right. but then there's another yes. part of my young self that did feel loved, that did feel like that they were trying their best that did feel. and it's heartbreaking that both are true, you know, yes. like that's what it is, is that it's heartbreaking that both are true, but it also allows that space of invitation with the boundaries that we're able to set. And I think that's part of adult mental health, right? Is like is, is stepping into the space of boundary is like saying, I actually can hold your goodness and the harm. And then also still invite invitation if that harm is not at a level that is continuously harmful, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that invitation. Like does, oh, no, ahead, yeah. Please. No, no, no. Please. How does what? Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, and then how do you, how do you navigate it any other way? Right. Because if you don't acknowledge the both sides, like, if you're the first person in your family to be like breaking these generational behaviors and patterns over years, then of course you have to acknowledge both because yeah. then there's no healing to be done. Then you just kind of like reinforce it if you say, my parents did. The best that they could, and or but something, 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 right? Like then you kind of gaslight yourself yes. and your own experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's gonna keep you in a stuck place. Yeah, Absolutely. and then you carry that with you forward, and it just history repeats itself. History you know? repeats itself. This exactly. is how generational trauma happens. We figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> solved. Solved. Podcast over. <laughs> this is the last one. Last one. We did it. Um, I think, uh, the three of us are sharing a sort of shared language of, uh, therapy schools <laughs> and like also going through our own personal therapies. I kind of want to back us up a little bit to just kind of hear what your ideas or understanding of in quotes, mental health is, and is mm. how that concept feels helpful or harmful to you. Mm. I guess it depends on what when you would ask me this question, like right now, my definition of mental health has changed. Mm -hmm. um, currently, wow, I, I don't even know how I would define it. I think I feel like a sense of equal equilibrium, mm -hmm. a sense of like safety. I think mental health is how can we honor our mind and heal our minds co correlated with like our body because mm. mental health. Yes, it is mental and our bodies hold so much trauma and like, yeah. so in ways that like our brains don't. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like kind of tying the knot between the two. 
and like rewiring? I don't know. It's just such a good question. Because so I think answers. when we talk about mental health, mental is because it's sort of talk therapy, right? We talk with mm-hmm. our brains. We think, and and so we name mental health as this thing that happens up here, but there's so much about healing that has nothing to do with what we think, you know, yeah. and concentrating so hard on the way we think. It's why there's problems sometimes with like CBT and these other uh, cognitive behavioral therapy that focuses so much on how we think, because there's, yeah. that's a lot we can't control, mm-hmm. but I can right. do different things with my body. I can find connection with other people. I can exercise or weight lift or, you know, do these things yes. that work out the yeah. harm without having to think it out of me, you know? Well, I think, I think label, that's a great point because labeling it mental health then just limits it to the men- mental portion. Yes. And CBT then reinforces like what capitalism has already placed on us, mm-hmm. right? And as we're trying to dismantle that, it's how do we reconnect with our bodies, which like have been, as an AFAB person, conditioned to hate it. We've been yeah. conditioned to hate this body. When this vessel actually is like the thing that keeps me moving every day. Mm-hmm. Um, how does your racial or cultural identity fit into that alignment and fit into that getting in touch with your body? Mm. My grandpa used to wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and do breathing exercises for, I swear to you, like four hours. And that man was the most joyous, um, nourishing person to be around. Like I wanted to, his aura, like I wanted to like absorb it all. And so that he is, he is the connection for me of my mm. culture and my body. And that like, I can, I can find peace here. Yeah. I just mm. have to get through some layers. What a beautiful example that yeah. you got to see. I feel like not a lot of people get to see oh, and visualize that. That's very special. He is, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, how does this next sort of question, which I think naturally fits, is how did that lead to the career that you have now? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Wow. There's so many things that brought me to where I am today. But yeah, my grandpa's also another pivotal part of that. He used to send me, um, so he passed away a couple of years ago. And so that was one of the hardest losses for me. And he, (laughs) he used to email me like every couple of weeks, like a new psychology book. Hey, read this thing. Like he was always trying to connect with me and he was like already so his process of healing was already so beyond anything I could like comprehend at that time. Mm. Um, And so he was a huge influence in, Oh wait, I can do what my mom does because I always wanted to be like my mom, but not in a physical sense Mm -hmm. fully right now. I'm learning there is all the things But at that time in my life, 12 years ago, I was like, oh, my God, I could be a therapist. And, like, that could be really great. And that time in my life coincided with, you know, I'm pretty, I'm really open about my own mental health experiences growing up. And I had a suicide attempt at 15, which is when I met my first therapist ever. And sure, she didn't save my life, but she absolutely did. She absolutely did. And so from that day or from that moment, because it's not a day, it's just a moment in time, I have felt like that is what I want to do. And I want to be in her seat with other kiddos like me that need to be heard. Um. I'm glad you're here. I'm I'm glad that she was there um, mm. to allow me to be able to talk to you today. Um, oh my God, you guys. I, I'm wondering, as you feel comfortable, what mm. about that person's work was helpful to you? Mm. I 
in my own home was I was taught to not have autonomy. Autonomy mm-hmm. was not modeled at all. I mean, even until like two years ago, I'm 27. Until two years ago, I was still letting my mom like dictate how I how I did my hair because of how the community would, would perceive me, right? Yeah. Like that has always been a thing. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I didn't lose my train of thought, but so many other thoughts just like came up. So I'm not sure where to go from here. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I think but, if you, yeah. No, go ahead, Maddie, please. No, if you got the butt, I'm down to chase the butt. I do have the butt. <laughs> we always want to chase the butt. Yeah, so we're chasing butts over here. <laughs> we're chasing butts. She, I remember where my thought went. Yeah, ADHD. I yes, have ADHD. There we go. Same. <laughs> there you go, everyone. Here's yeah. the ethical transparency. Is it ADHD um, or trauma? Who knows? Ooh. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we, could write a, we could write a whole book on that. Right? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, but she, my therapist at that time, allowed me to have autonomy, would ask me questions and let me answer yeah. for myself. Mm. And that, ooh, setting the foundational work of that, I mean, I'm sure it was very hard for her because mm. I was this adolescent that did not have that previously. Mm-hmm. Um and I saw her for six years. And like, this is some wow. white cis woman. Like, this is not someone who like shared any queerness or anything like that, but she wanted to hear me and she wanted to validate my experiences and she wanted to make sure I was safe. Mm-hmm. And those basic needs, yes, I, I know my parents wanted the same for me and their actions were not congruent with that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this person, gave it to me and her actions were congruent with that. So I believed it. I believed that I like deserved to have these things that I didn't feel like culturally I was allowed to. Yeah. She helped in so many ways. This this beautiful human who I don't know where she is now, but Kathy, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering <clears throat> I don't think that everything has been positioned as a negative. That's not what I'm saying with this question I'm about to ask. But I'm wondering what you've taken away from your ethnicity, race, culture, and heritage that you think has like helped, I guess, within the mental health like field. I mean, you are helping, you know, the clients that you have. Um, what have you been able to like draw from? Ooh. I over time and decolonizing therapy have utilized my lived experience to inform my therapeutic style and energy and the way I show up immensely. So I'm even like, um, even like the ways in which I disclose with clients and like, I don't, I don't hide myself. Yeah. I'm not talking about myself in a way that isn't beneficial for them but I don't hide myself. And I think that is like really resonated with people. Um, I primarily work with trans and queer identified folks. I really, really want to like work with Asian trans and queer identified people. And I have been, and like just this foundational understanding of, Oh, you went through this exact thing and I don't have to explain anything to you. Wow. (laughs) Like, I remember someone um, was on my wait list for a year and a half, this this Indian queer person. And of course, like, I'm an Aries, so I was like, oh, I'm flattered. But then I was like, wow, we have no resources. Yeah. We, there are not many of us here. And so, like, I think my authenticity, my constant growing and healing in my own self and acknowledging that, like, these people are going to activate parts of me. Mm. Um, from my younger self and like confronting it has yeah. been one of the integral parts of my I don't know how I navigate the therapeutic space yeah I am just like this 
I don't, um, I don't code switch too much. Yeah. I'm like, you need to teach me because <laughs> <laughs> that is like embedded in me <laughs> to a degree that I'm not even conscious of it until it's done. I'm like, oh, what, what was I talking like that for? Yep. Anyways. <laughs> no, honestly, though, honestly, like just a small blip. I know, Maddie, you were going to um, maybe expand. But in thinking about code switching, one thing I've noticed for myself is my voice. Mm-hmm. Just this year. Um, I like leaned into my natural voice by like not, I didn't even know I had it. Like I didn't even mm-hmm. know I could go any lower, mm-hmm. but it, it's been conditioned so deeply. Like yeah. I never even knew that I was like, hi everyone, like in a higher pitch voice all the time. So anyways, that's my, that's my feelings on code switching. <laughs> no, I think that that fight for, um, it's part of that decolonizing therapy. We don't have to show up and be this blank slate of like, I'm, I'm, I think that some people find that helpful, but I think a lot of folks, especially folks with specific identity concerns and wanting to step into that love having someone they're talking to. That's like, it's totally cool that I'm a faggot here. (laughs) Like like, Mm -hmm. literally I'm a professional and my wrist is limp as fuck girl. Like what's up? You know, like I use, I use pronouns similar to you. You know, I just think, you know, it, I mean, I, I model my messiness because yes. messiness is not negative, yes. right? Like yes. we are messy because we're, we're human. Right. Yeah. And like, if we don't honor our messiness, then we are not being ourselves, right? Like, so I love to be me and continue being me because that in itself is modeling for other people. But you could also do that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fucking hard to access, but it's not impossible. I'm going to, listeners, direct your attention back to like three episodes ago when it was just me and Maddie. And we talked a bit about what it must mean to not be yourself and how disconnected that makes Mm. you to your spirit, to your body, to everything. Um, So, you know, um, Newbert, we were having a discussion about like me when I enter a store. It's like I put my hands behind my back. Like I do that on purpose. Nobody even has to like question anything. And there's all these other little just like consciously unconscious things that I do that I like I'll do and I know I'm doing it, but it doesn't like phase me at all. But it's not me being naturally who I am. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I feel like this is all just very much so connected to that. Like it's. I mean, that like breaks my fucking heart. Yeah. Like, yes, there are so many ways in which we're not consciously aware of uh, our inauthenticity. But again, right, is our inauthenticity congruent to our survival? And, like, do we need that still? I think a lot of the times we still engage in the survival mechanisms that we have as kids. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage clients to question, like, okay, what do we still need now? And then what don't we need now? What can we leave behind? I think about that with... Um, I'm just saying it again because I, one, I would love to hear maybe what your thoughts are on what this is, but decolonizing therapy. I think um, I'd love to hear some thoughts around that. And I think I ask that because when I think, when I think about decolonizing therapy, I'm like the institution or the, the learning of this science I, I said it in quotes but it's science i guess you know <laughs> but like um, it does it does have its evidence yes yeah 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 <laughs> um but like this um i don't know why i'm being cheeky about it but like um no i love it please do that uh not everything that comes from that is bullshit right there's lots of beautiful things that we've learned mm. and there's lots of ways that it's harmful and so when i think about what needs to be left behind that's what i think about in terms of decolonizing it's like it's not saying fuck what therapy is. It's saying that therapy had a very specific view for a very specific person for a very mm. specific purpose of maintaining control. How do we yes. get that control back and connect to other people from what we're learning one-on-one on this couch? Anyway, oh my goodness. what can we leave behind? What, are you, what do you feel about what we can leave behind? Oh my gosh. I mean, in decolonizing therapy and what we can leave behind, I would say like 98% of it Um, But but in all honesty, yes, there's a lot of value in like the theories and the interventions and like the theorists. Um, And at the same time in the therapeutic field, I think this is shifting more so now 
But I think in this field, there's a lot of value in secrecy, a lot of value in distance, a lot of value in I have the control, I have the power as a therapist, you don't. What the hell is that about? I've got the um, letters. Right? Like, oh my, oh my God. Yeah, the letters and like <laughs> something I deal with specifically. Um, when work, because I work with trans kids, adolescents, and adults. So I work primarily with like the parents and like, I'm like the middleman, you might call it, um, in trying to support this kid in their transition. And there's so much gatekeeping mm. in this field with access, with, oh, my kid needs a gender affirming surgery letter. Oh, I'm going to charge you $200 for this letter. Right. And I'm going to make you see me five times, which right. like, if someone says that they are who they are, then they are who they are. Like, yeah. period. Um, and so decolonizing and like leaving those things behind. Well, yeah, I feel like so much. Yeah. Um, even, even like that disclosure, you know, the white man, if we talk about like Floyd or Erickson or all these men. Who? who I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who? Yeah, it's me now. I'm the I'm the new white man. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be that. <laughs> no. You're anything but that. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. I have a tendency to not think before I speak sometimes. And, uh, oh my gosh, same. <laughs> and here we are with a podcast. <laughs> the point the point absolutely is made. It's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. demanding of the space that has been taken up by the white man. It's not exactly embodying of the white man. We get it. We get exactly. it. We follow, we follow. I mean, in this field, the 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 years of experience are more valued than lived experience, which right. is not it. It is not it. Therapy is relational, in my opinion. Yes, CBT, DBT, all these like behavioral therapies, they're band-aids, right? They're yeah. band-aids in the support of capitalism and like reinforcing the the society and structure that we live in. They can help you but, get by. Correct. They help you survive. But baby, we're not here to survive. We're here to thrive. Like Let's go. honestly. So Let's that's go. that's like the breaking of the I call it shedding skin for my clients. Like the closer we get to like ourselves we're just like shedding skin Mm. um so that's like the decolonization of my work i love lizards um agreed also (laughs) that (laughs) um i think we are we're edging up on uh needing to take some meds but before we go i would love to hear what brings you hope in this work and and what does sustainability look like for you in this work in regards to that hope Mm. What brings me hope in this field, in this work? My kid clients. Like my heart is swollen right now, like just thinking about them. Um, They teach me so much about myself, about celebration and joy, trans joy, queer joy in a way that like I've only accessed recently. So there's so much hope when I see them. I have a six-year-old trans client, you know? Like, what? Really? That's like so in itself hopeful. Yeah. So the kids. The kids. The kids are all right. Miss Chloe and Holly already told us. We all right. We're going to be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Um, well, I got teary-eyed, and I feel like I need to breathe. Um, so thank you for that. Um, this has been such a fucking joy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm so I grateful. Love you too. You guys are <laughs> the sweetest. Oh, I'm, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to your space. Yes. Uh, thank you for coming and rocking our worlds. I, for real. Uh, for real. Like, ugh, I wasn't prepared for this great conversation, but <laughs> yeah. I'm happy we had it. Like it was, a Sunday gift. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's take a quick break, come back and take some meds, and then okay. we'll be on our way. We're back to wrap this thing up. We're going to take some meds, we're going to pop some pills, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, who do I want to go first? Maddie. Okay. What meds you taking? <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, I've been taking a leave recently instead of ibuprofen. I don't know. 
if anyone oh, else has made that choice. But I'm just okay. anyway. I'm just letting you know I'm on the blue now instead of the little red guys. Anyway, um, I have back blue pain. Is better. Like, yeah, blue is better. Um, okay, my uh, meds this week. Today, um, I was able to have this phone conversation with this gay therapist in. Austin. I just moved here. I don't really have a community yet. Mm. And this person that I truly just found on the internet in connection to something. And I emailed and was like, hi, can we have an informational interview? I just want to like know queer people here. Um, I'm dealing with something at work that I think I will dissect further on the podcast once it's I've had some space from it. Um, but I was able to just, this person does not know me and has offered me like time twice. And I had this conversation this morning that just really, it validated what was, I was being gaslit at work. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I was able to have this conversation with this stranger. And I just, it's like the second time in a month that I've experienced this sense of community for people I don't know. And um, there's lots of fucked up shit about the, you know, hashtag gay community and i think that um i have been experiencing some love from it and being able to offer love and i have been really holding some gratitude and that conversation happened this morning and i'm still like writing that high anyway it's beautiful. that's what i'm feeling thank you new yeah. what's bringing it's you joy? what are your meds what are my meds <laughs> I mean. um i take about eight pills every morning i okay. can list you the miller no um you can you <laughs> we've done i mean before. for sure <laughs> Listen, I'm a therapist Information is information, sees, okay? Right. I'm a therapist who has a therapist. I'm a therapist who takes medication daily mm -hmm. for my ADHD and OCD and CPTSD. So mm -hmm. we're here. We're doing it. It's good. Take care of yourselves. Yes. Um, but my joy this week, this is so tiny, but it was so joyful. Um I'm not generally a physical touch person due to a lot of like trauma I've experienced, but um, I don't know. Me and my wife shared like a very big bear hug this morning that like lasted maybe two or three minutes and she's half a foot taller than me. So I'm just like with her, you know, just like this little burrito. I'm like the ingredients <laughs> of a burrito and she is the tortilla. Oh, oh I loved it. And that really, I, I think, uh... It just mm, was rejuvenating. It was there can be fucking healing power in touch if it's what we need and want at that time. But I'm that's exactly that. right. I love that. That is amazing. Yeah. I have a really big smile on my face right now. And normally <laughs> I, I see stuff like that. Very corny. And I'm like, get that out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> no. Reject. No. Reject. <laughs> Affection, <laughs> love, care. Okay. I don't want any of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay wait that's real though when we're not used to something we reject it mm. oh yeah no i that was a half joke <laughs> heavy and light heavy and light, heavy and light. <laughs> some truth in that one gotcha what are your meds babe um i'm gonna share two meds because we last week didn't do this but last weekend the weekend of whatever last weekend i saw tame impala at the gorge oh. amphitheater and let me tell you something. It was, it was, ugh, it was phenomenal. Like it was mm. great. Like lasers, lights. I was, I guess, 34 when I realized that I really like lasers. Like I don't. <laughs> it's never too late. Never I just late. came to that realization like last week and I was like, I want laser everything. It's true. <laughs> no, but they were phenomenal. They did great. They played just about every song that I wanted to hear. The Gorge Amphitheater was gorgeous. Not that I could really see any of it because it was at nighttime, but still. Uh, fun little trip. Uh, and I don't know. That part of Washington is gorgeous. So uh -huh. it was a nice little cap to... Bless you, Blue. Um, <laughs> it was a nice little cap to my summer of being outdoors. Because I feel like this summer I have camped and been outdoors yeah. more than any other summer in Portland. Mm. I'm glad. So that's my first med. My second med. Um, my dad, my my belated, my uh, my late, my late father's birthday was on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Um, this week was tough for me. There was a lot going on related mm -hmm. to that. Um, listeners, it's been a year. I think it was a year ago that we recorded the podcast around like death. Yeah. Um. But a good thing that came out of it is I did get to that Tuesday and that Wednesday for the 
for the most part, I think everybody sort of like left me alone, which is like what I wanted. And nope, I don't think anybody had any idea. I didn't feel the need to tell anybody like it's my dad's birthday. I'm going to be weird about things. Um, I didn't tell anybody until it was like done. And Maddie, I'm just telling you that like now. Um, so I don't know. It was nice to have that moment for myself to not need anybody else there. I talked to my um, dad's widow. She is doing okay. We had a nice little conversation, talked about our future, which is which was nice. I can say, mm. um, Whoa. yeah, it was a it was a very it was a heavy, but also I came out on the other side of it okay and happy, and um, being able to I don't know honor my dad. Yeah. You know, we had a really mm. I talked about it. We had a really rough relationship when he was alive. Um, and there's still a lot of processing I do about that every single day. But, yeah. you know, I was sort of dreading this date coming and it came and it passed. And I actually was productive isn't the word. Um, I didn't run away from it. You know, yeah. I was I let myself be in it, which was which was nice because I didn't think I was going to be able to. And I know that mm. you were saying that you like, you know, didn't let anyone know. But I will say that you what you did do was say like this is not my week. So like, leave me be. And yeah. that, like, while you maybe didn't over explain yourself, I think that that's a beautiful part of it too. Right. Is that like, you knew what you needed and you said it versus. Yes. Hoping you honor yourself. Too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. I love you. I, I love you too. I'm not going to cry on this podcast. Only one of us can cry per episode. So. I don't know. I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> 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 Um, wow. Um, Nooper, thank, thank you, you for sharing that. Sorry. I just I feel no. the need to. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I don't know. <laughs> sharing space. Sharing space. There we go. Shawnee's like, I feel good saying it, but now I regret that you are listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm yeah. like, move on. Yeah. You're looking at me. My birthday's in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone send birthday nudes to Shawnee. Um, Ooh, that's <laughs> actually y'all can do that. Y'all are y'all are allowed to do that. Oh yeah, sorry. I guess I should have asked you, but I think I think it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, Nooper, thank you so much for being here. I, we've had a blast and, um, a delight, like just simple DM. I saw your Instagram. I was like, I'm down with him. Like what is going on? I want to know yeah. more. And a DM turned into a month booked calendar date. And then it was like this week. And I was like, that's happening. I'm excited. I have no idea who Nooper is, but right. <laughs> this is like right. been such a beautiful thing. We never always know how this is going to go. And I have been blessed today. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Oh, you too. Thank you so much. Thank you for existing. Thank you for creating this space and this like, just like, uh, we need, we need to hear these things. These are very Mm. important. So thank you. Just thank you. Um, Well, how can people find you or find your work? Well, if you're in Chicago and see my blue hair, you can find me walking around the street. If you want to find me on social media, on Instagram, I'm queer Indian therapist. I primarily just use that. If you are curious about my work in any way, want to consult, um, are a therapist yourself or in training and like just want some help, um, my email is nshah at fourrealtherapy.com. And that's how you can find me. Love. All these links are going to be available in the episode description. And obviously we'll tag a babe throughout the week as the episode drops. Um, but their Instagram, your Instagram is so cool. I it's really great. I <laughs> Thank and, you. and there's like a isn't there a new uh, group coming up? I feel like I saw you advertising. There is, there okay. is. I'm going to be starting a third phase of the um, trans and gender nonconforming process group, beginning in October. Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. You can find more information on Absolutely. his Instagram if that is something that you would like to do. Um, I had one up? quick question before we let yeah. Nooper go. Um, uh, are you a Barb? A Barb? Yeah. <laughs> so she said no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not a Barb. Okay. What question you, answered. Wait, hold on now. A Nicki Minaj fan. A Barb, like oh, a Nicki Minaj fan. Wait. Of Barb. Okay. All the tea, though. I know about the drama. 
Yes. I, we I talked mean, about it earlier in the pot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I It's a difficult week to be a bar. It's a difficult week to be a bar. A lot of tough choices. I mean, I don't know about that. We'll answer it at the top of the podcast. Yeah. We're doing a callback for a part of the podcast that hasn't been recorded yet. So it's a movie magic. Welcome to Hollywood, babe. Um, Shout out. I want to shout out Keeks Mag. First episode. First episode. First print of the I keep wanting to say podcast. Next, it's not a podcast. It's not it's a, a podcast. Magazine. They were on uh, our podcast. <laughs> they were on our podcast. Uh, season two opener. But Keeks Mag, find them on uh, Instagram and link in bio. You can get one. You can also get a digital copy for a sliding scale. It's Gorgina. We have a spread in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Um, all Let orange you, and queer, quality. vulnerable, silly. Good quality. I the quality. Here. The, quality the quality of it all. <laughs> Keeks Mag. K-E-E-K-S-M-A-G. Yes. Um, and you can follow us at QBT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, gripes, yelps at uh, us, you can email us at QBTPodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave us a voice. You are also the HR department, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We love cops. 971 220 8874. We got to get out of here. I'm talking crazy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you- <laughs> gotta go. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>